Hello, this is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and Alan Cochran. Do not text us because um, we are three separate households. We can't be together. We can't be live. We're not live. Um, however, you can contact, uh, contact us at Frank on the Radio through uh, Twitter and uh, Instagram, or you can email us via the Absolute Radio website. Now, before the show uh, began, uh, we're each in our respective um, homes. Um, we were talking about um, Rock the Casbah by The Clash. Am I right, yes. guys? Yes, yes, you are. And uh, what was your question again, Emily? Who doesn't well, like there's it? A, I was, what I actually said, um, which was a bit obtuse, I said, who is it who doesn't like it? There could be a lot of answers to that question. But I was referring yes. to the lyric, which is something like Shari don't like it or Sharif, is it? Uh, could be because if, if it's... Sharif don't like it, something like that. If it's like the Casbar, yeah. it could be Sharif, yeah, Omar Sharif. Is he involved oh, is it, in it? Omar. I think there is a backgammon <laughs> verse, an international backgammon tournament verse in it. Do you but remember, I miss that about the... our readers, Frank, that normally they would, we would ask that and they'd tell us. And I, you know, that makes me sad briefly. Anyway. Mm-hmm. That's a fabulous... Uh, have you ever heard of Clinton Ford? No. He, was, he did a thing which... Uh, they've sort of completely died now. He did, he did um, comedy songs. Um, and he did a song called The Old Bazaar in Cairo, which I like to think is on the same... would be on the same family tree as uh, Rock the Casbah. And it, it had a, a moment in it I particularly loved that goes, um, harem, scarem, what do you think of that? Benny, striptease, dancing on the mat, umpa, umpa, that's enough for that in the old bazaar in Cairo. And it's the reprimand <laughs> mid-verse of that's enough for that. <laughs> I love it. Absolutely love it. The idea of the crowd have got excited and started going... Um, par, um, par. <laughs> I like the uh, idea that's said in a different tone of voice by another character as well. It'd be good, wouldn't it? Sort of, um, sort of Arab-themed pop songs. That's two. Yes. I'm so, excuse Midnight my at the Oasis, Maria Muldor. Oh, yes. <laughs> excuse my ignorance, boys, but what, what is a Sharif? Well, well, we used to have a Sharif, but things got pretty tough in this town. Well, they generally don't come back. Um, a Sharif? No, I'm thinking of Homer Sharif. Is it? Oh, is I it, see. Is it? Is it uh, and it's not a noun, is it? Oh, I don't know. Well, please um, let us know anyway. We won't, you know, we'll... we'll um... Oh, Wait I wish we were live. Life was so much easier when we were live. We'd ask a question like that, and our readers, they were super smart, generally speaking, um, would be on it like a like a dog on a on a rabbit. Let's but, not um, let's not start a three hour show on quite such a regretful note. No, um, no, you're right. No, you're, right. you're stuck with us thickos, I'm afraid. Never mind. <laughs> let's, yes. let's look on the. I tell you what, I've got a bad back, and it, you know, if it's the one thing that drags me down, it's a bad back. And I have got it. I am still doing the Joe Wicks uh, PE class thing oh. every weekday morning, and Perhaps I was doing I it this. Send you a more suitable exercise regime. <laughs> well, it was going great, 
It's it's been a life changer, Joe Wicks. But um, he does this thing called the dot walk when you have to walk around with your knees very very close to the floor, oh, um, yeah. at like a, a sort of extreme version of the Groucho Marx walk. And that's, he, a, he that's a, arousing for Kath. Yeah, well, she's doing it as well, remember? <laughs> me, me, Kath and Boz do it together, so we're all walking around like that. So but, cute. But he was doing a, a Wheel of uh, Fortune thing, so he spins it, and that tells you what exercise to do. And because the dot walks came, a few of them came close together, he started improvising, and he suggested that we went right down and just jumped up and down whilst remaining... You know, knees six inches from the floor. And that did my... I just felt it go. It was a terrible moment. So thanks for that, Joe. <laughs> Don't improvise, Joe. Just, you know, write it, write the thing up and, and go for it. Let's see your own work, mate. <laughs> Not your hunches. So, I, yeah, I'm in, uh, I'm in some pain. I'll be yeah, straight with you. But, well, I won't reason. be straight. I'll be hunched. I'm keeping a low profile. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. I'll tell you something. I, I was, um, I was, I started on a neg note, which I'm sorry about now about the show not being live. But um, we do still hear from our um, loyal readers, so um, that's tremendous news. Keep the stuff coming in. What's what's in the current uh, the current batch? We've had some good ones, Al, haven't we? We've had. Do you remember you were asking last week, Frank, whether anyone had any Frank Skinner merchandise? Yes, because I've got I've got a box full, which obviously I can't really wear without. But you it are head just... to foot in John Bishop outfits quite yes. a lot of the time. Yeah, I'm all right with the John Bishop merch because yeah. that makes me look humble. Um, <laughs> well, we've, but we've... Wear, wearing myself makes me look like I'm I'm hungry to be recognised. Appearances are key. Hmm. It's, it's we've sad, had some good true. ones, Al, haven't we? We've had David Green. Here you go, Frank. Dad in brackets, Ron Green cameras, enjoyed working on many shows with you, all the best. And he's got a Frank Skinner uh, bomber jacket and three T-shirts. Wow. Yeah. Blimey. Do you think he ever wears them? I'm guessing I can see the dog now nestled on that bomber jacket in a basket. (laughs) (laughs) They look box fresh, actually. They look, they look in good condition, wouldn't you say? Oh, he sent, he sent a picture oh, yeah. as well. Oh, I sent a picture. Very yeah. nice. That's Ron Green. Ron Green. And then We're Peter, on our way. Peter Rawlinson says, not merch related exactly, but when I worked in a shoe shop years ago, a lady came in with a gift voucher and asked if I could void it, swap it for a new one, but could she keep the old one? I asked why. She'd met you somewhere and that was all she had to get your autograph on. Ah. Oh. Yeah. Of course, I remember signing. I don't. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you something. I um, I had a table football, like a proper professional pub-sized table football thing. And I was one of the players on it. I was at centre-forward on one team. And the, all the other players were guests from um, a series of the chat show I used to do. So there was like Kenny Rogers in midfield, Jermaine Greer, um, central defence, yeah, and and stuff like that. And I also had a pinball machine that the the whole design was me and another series I'd done. So I had like a Jamie Lee Curtis and stuff on it. And when Kath moved in, I thought, oh, it's they're a bit laddish these. So I I got rid yeah. of them. And I wonder where I, that was a terrible error. 
Yeah, wasn't um, it? It was. And I wonder where they are now. Oh, these we have Irreplaceable. Lost. Yeah. Never well, mind. Well, uh, Linford Walker has... Uh, messaged saying i have a mug and a pencil the pencil is in my toolbox somewhere the mug has only just resurfaced from the back of the cupboard as my daughter has reached the age i wish her to see such an awesome joke and then adds in brackets she's 45 (laughs) (laughs) so i'm very curious as to how blue the jokes on your merchandise obviously i can't tell you on air, what that joke <laughs> Well, was, I think I've I'm, seen the joke and it's unbelievable. Yes, um, it's, I, I, I mean, I'm, I, I wouldn't, I'd be offended by it. I mean, would it put you off your tea if it was in there? Put me off my life, Al. Well, that's an interesting, that's an interesting <laughs> thought, that. Would it put you off your tea? No. <laughs> but it... Uh, no, I like the, the fact that at age 41, she still wasn't quite ready for it. Yeah. At the age of 37. Sorry, I'm very uh, whimsical today. Okay. Aren't you? Do you know that song? Yes, I do the, know The that. Eyes of Lucy Jordan. Very, very lovely. Anyway, that's not what we're going to play for you in a minute. But um, you know what? I don't, I've, I've, the, the playlist has been wrested from my grip. Who knows what's on it at the moment? I'm guessing um, Sex on Fire, but we'll see. Thanks, Absolute radio. I've been um, I've been hammering my Kindle a bit uh, just lately. I sort of have periods when I don't I don't really want the Kindle. I want a real book in my mm-hmm. hand. Mm. But there's something nice about being in a totally dark room with just a tiny pool of light that you're reading from. I know that can happen with a real book, but um, anyway. So I've, I've been, um, you know, buying some stuff on Kindle because the bookshops are shot and I miss that. Mm. And then I got, I, I don't know if, if, you're, if you're Kindle users, you guys. but oh, um, yes. They offer you um, recommendations based on what you've been reading. Right. And um, I was in the column um, entitled Kindle Top Picks for You. There we go, mine camp. Which is... Which is a fabulous <laughs> piece of uh, tailoring. No, they'll know I wouldn't want to read that again. Um, is my own autobiography, Kate? Oh, that's nice. Oh, that's nice. That's, right? that, no, that's an interesting piece of uh, profiling they've done there. Yeah. They oh. really have. They've got it down to basically one person. Uh, so I was quite thrilled by that. And then yeah. I saw four stars. Oh. What a sick there. I mean, even in my own home, do I want critics coming into (laughs) my own home and robbing my nose in it? How many stars did you get for your podcast in the Times, I think it was? Yes, but I... um, How many? I got five. But I thought thought the five-star review, as you almost never see a five-star review, certainly not for my stuff. It's like like you don't... (laughs) Um, it's like they don't do it anymore, that it's regarded as a bit uh, lowbrow to yeah. give um, five stars because nothing's perfect in life. Yes. I think it feels quite broad to get the five star. Is something I've always said to reassure myself. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you think it's like... Um, I've always imagined in my many... Uh, daydream fantasies i i've i've got one where i'm an international um batsman for england 
Mm. And um, I mean, I'm not, I'm not making. This is a thing that I've, I've had, I've spent, you know, hours um, living in my mind. And um, one of my things is that I don't hit sixes because I find them rather brutish. Oh, yeah. I only hit fours. <laughs> They're a bit vulgar and, uh, for you. <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe you could see five stars in, in that sort of thing. That, that's a bit, oh, dear, a bit too much. You know what I mean? It lacks nuance. So that it's, would say... Uh, it's so well the... realised, your fantasy character, what you would yeah. and wouldn't do in certain situations. I love this. Yeah. And I score mainly in twos and singles in this uh, daydream because um, because I can, because I don't want... I once read that Thierry Henry, the former um, Arsenal striker, at one point in his career decided that making goals was a more creative thing than scoring them and started focusing on that for a bit. <laughs> I love that. Nice. Yeah, right. Oh, that's when... The, oh, the French. You've got to love them. Can you imagine an English... Can you imagine Troy Deeney thinking that? Thinking, you know what? Oh, man. But what a great, what a great idea. I, I love the, uh, the whole concept of it. It's like mm. me, you know, if I decided to just write feeds to jokes, yeah. put them on... Put them on the uh, internet for young comics to give them a, a little ramp. <laughs> Sounds like fun. Yeah, maybe I'll try that. I'm there. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. Emily was just saying, actually, that it's, um, if you don't mind me quoting something you've said off air, obviously I'm selective, that <laughs> it's impossible to say no after you. Without it seeming, what was your term that seemed ironic? I said it's impossible to say it without it sounding incredibly insincere. Yes. A term I've heard um, commentators use um, in, I think, in, in football commentary, is that if someone um, sort of slightly defers to someone else in a challenge, they say, oh, that was a bit after you, Claude. Oh, really? <laughs> I really like that. The clawed bit of it, which makes it so sort of prissy and posh as to, as to somehow lack masculinity. That's how I... That's it's the I equivalent of the slightly tetchy email followed by a thanks <laughs> and then just the name. <laughs> oh, I feel sick when I get that. Can I... Um, I I've been watching a lot of uh, Bugs Bonnie. During uh, lockdown, I, when I say a lot, I can tell you just from well, the numbering, depressing. the numbering system <laughs> on on demand that I've watched 170, no, 147 Bugs Bunny cartoons. They're all about it. six minutes. Yeah, it's a decent snooker break as well. It is, <laughs> and uh, is the most Alan thing I've ever heard said. <laughs> <laughs> they call it the Bugs Bunny, don't they? One four seven. Yes, I think. So. I do you remember. do you observe my rule, Frank? Re cartoons, which is that you just simply cannot watch them after seven pm at night because that I just that's awful. It's so depressing. Well, it depends on the cartoon, of course. Um, David Bedell has recently introduced me to BoJack Horseman, which yes. I don't feel you can watch before eleven o'clock <laughs> at no, night. Which I like but, actually. But Bugs Bunny. Um, you know what? Bugs Bunny, can I say, is absolutely brilliant. And yes, it's a late review. It really is. <laughs> but I don't think I've ever completely 
understood how brilliant. I think Bugs Bunny sums up everything that's positive about the American spirit. Oh, what's that? He's sort of a bit cocky, he's inventive, he endures, he's fearless, unflappable. It's brilliant. Um, but my son, who's now eight, as of uh, last Saturday, said to me, um, is he like, um, is he the king of Looney Tunes? And I said, you know what? I think he is. I think he is the king of Looney Tunes. I think when people think of those, that's who they think of. Mm -hmm. And he said, so who's the queen of oh. Looney Tunes? You know, it had never occurred to me before that I, there isn't, is there a female star in Looney Tunes? No, I don't think there is. I mean, I suppose Roadrunner could be. Would well, we I know think it, it says a lot um, that the only one I know is uh, Granny, if you're familiar with her. She's sort of, um, she's in Tweety Pie's storyline. Oh, of course, yeah. Oh, yeah. She has a bun and a sort of Edwardian brooch at her neck, is all I can remember. But you get quite a bit in Bugs Bunny of what I believe they used to call cheesecake. In that <laughs> you'll get a woman, like in a, a 50s-style woman in a bikini... <laughs> used to sort of stop him being chased by a brutish workman or something <laughs> like that. Oh, that well, was my doorbell. That? That's my doorbell. I'm I'm sorry. Um uh -huh. I'm I'm anticipating the delivery of a plum tree. That's nice. Frank Skinner. Absolute radio. So um I think I interrupted a fabulous flow of outside world um, correspondence. Mm. Is there, is there no, I more? That's more. Accurately, you left um, us, your cohorts, and the readership of the show wondering if you had or had not been delivered a plum tree. Yes, the doorbell, Frank. Um, no. Um, I, that is what I say if I've got guests and the doorbell goes. Oh, really? <laughs> um Yes, I think it might be from a Joe Orton play. Oh, I genuinely thought you were about to get no, a delivery of I a think, I can't remember where it came from, but I've said it for many years if the doorbell goes and I have guests. Now I feel a great fool because I'm, I'm anticipating <laughs> some meat being delivered whilst I'm recording this show with you guys. Yeah, but, but I believe that. Yeah, oh, I imagine so you have that. raw meat fed through your cat flap every day which drops into your... <laughs> Gaping mouth. That was a secret. Is that wrong? I told you not to discuss it in a public domain. I, what I see is you doing sit-ups, and every time you go back, you're doing them by the door. A piece of raw steak or something comes in, which you seize upon and then go up into another gut-crunching yes. sit-up. That's you know what I see. Things? How do you know yeah. these things about me? You've got the place spy-canned. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you followed that up, Al, because that was what I believe is referred to as a Chekhov's gun moment where was it was it? introduced and it had to go off. Yeah. Um, I'm calling it the Frank's doorbell moment in future. Mm. Okay. Okay. <laughs> We've had some, uh, well, there's a variety of methods in which they've contacted us, but mm -hmm. um, we've had some tweets in regarding alternative bookmarks. Do you remember on last week's show, Frank, you were talking about what you used as a bookmark? Yes, I used a banana at one point. Yes. I try to use apposite um, bookmarks. So, par example, if I go and go to an exhibition, let's say, 
of David Hockney, and I then read an art book. I might use the ticket stop for that. This oh, is yeah. a thing I got into. Oh, I thought you were going to say a cigarette. Recently. Because I know he's quite a fan of the old fags, isn't he? He likes smoking, David Hockney, yeah. He Um, really loves it. Well, interestingly, we've had a tweet in, Al, didn't we? Someone who does exactly the same thing. Uh, RTM says, I marked a page in Andre Agassi's autobiography with a broken string from my racket. Apposite or what? Oh, brilliant. That's good. It's it's even better than brilliant. I'd say it's ace. Oh, 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 I mean, love that. Oh, oh, I say love. <laughs> I am. Um, I um That is the book, isn't it, where he said that when he was a, a baby, his dad hung a small tennis ball over his, um, over his cot and secured yeah. a tiny tennis racket to his hand to get him from the... I mean... He was. He still got a little bit of placenta on him, and he was. He was already um, hitting tennis balls. Yes, that was also the book, Frank, in which he said. I think he lost one of the Grand Slams because he was so worried um, about his his hairpiece, bless him, falling off. I own that book. He lost a Grand Slam it. final as a result of that. Uh, it's terribly well, sad. He should. It's It sounds good. I must say. I remember I, I, I was on a, um, a sort of a, a, a pilot um, for a sports panel show. Mm-hmm. <sighs> and um, <laughs> they read that extract from um, Agassiz's book about the, uh, the, tennis, the tennis racket and the tennis ball over his cot. Mm. And it was a time when Mario Balotelli was having a bad patch. And I suggested, <laughs> I had to quote my own jokes, that his dad um, suspended a cow's behind from above his cot <laughs> and strapped a small banjo <laughs> to his Very good. It went well, but not well enough to get a series. Good night. <laughs> this is Frank Skinner. This is Absolute Radio. Hello, this is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Ellie Dean and Alan Cochran. You cannot text the show today because we're not live, I'm afraid. You know, circumstances. But you can um, contact us um, at Frank on the radio on uh, Twitter and um, Instagram. Or you can email us via the Absolute Radio website. (laughs) I like that because you called me Ellie Dean. Yes. And what... I, f- I, I felt younger. Yeah, I think it was anti-aging. It shaved about 15 years off me. It's I quite a millennial name. And yeah, also it's I got can't... a bit of, there's an old mill by the stream, yeah. L-E-D. Yeah. Uh, I, can't, I'm I might, sorry, I might I... make that my name. No, I, I loved it. I had no idea. What I should have done is that thing, you know, when you say to people, oh, you actually, you actually said L-E-D and you didn't say And they say, no, no, I didn't. <laughs> And you think, why, why are you arguing with this? Why would I make that up? You know, people get really... No, I, di- I didn't say that. What are you talking about? Oh. <laughs> I like it when they say it on shows like Big Brother and the Love Island and you just think, well, I'm afraid. There's an easy way of finding out, dear. <laughs> so, um, yeah, outside world. We were, um, we were discussing bookmarks uh, ah. and specifically things that weren't bookmarks being used as bookmarks. Uh, and Judith Clemens has sent us this. I'm using a Mongolian 20 Turig 
banknote as a bookmark. I might have mispronounced two Climbing. I've got Tugly. a book. I've got a book at my feet as we speak, which has got a uh, a Korean banknote in it. She says it's oh, worth about five Judith. pence. Yes, and it's likewise the Korean from a trip through Mongolia in two thousand and seven. Used it as a bookmark. I guess ever if she'd have said it's left over from, if she'd have said it's left over from a trip, my first guess would have been Mongolia. <laughs> <laughs> um, and she says greetings from a Tasmanian reader. I think that's an excellent missive. Yeah, from her. she's really oh, nice. She, only normally here from the devils. Yeah, yeah. that's um, that's interesting. One because obviously I've seen a lot of the Tasmanian devil just lately in the Bugs Bunnies, but also of course. Um, my, I am. I'm lucky enough to be invited into the Thorn family. Pointless. Um, now the Thorn family is my. It's my brother-in-law's. Um, oh yes. Uh, brood, and they have a, a a Zoom version of Pointless um, once every couple of weeks, um, nice. hosted by um, Big Daddy Thorn uh, Mike. And we all take part in that. And this week, one of the questions was about um, an island, blah, 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 Australia. And, uh, you know, the Dutch um, explorer Tasman, who found Tasmania. I was very, very pleased with myself. Scored, I think, 68. That's all right. Nightmare. (laughs) Oh. We've um... also heard from Sam Levin, I think, Levin who says, my son uses the broken blade of his fencing sabre. That's quite a bookmark. Wow, wee. Yeah. Touche. <laughs> yeah. Oh, can you hear my dog bark? I can't. Uh, doesn't, he, um, doesn't he always do that when anyone mentions fencing sabres? <laughs> so he's been trained. That. It's very yeah. likely that some meat is being pushed through the letterbox. He grew, he grew up in a 1920s German army training camp where fence, fencing scars were um, the order of the day and uh, he still he still reacts angrily to the very yeah. mention of it i remember doing a gig where i spoke to uh, there's a mother and a teenage boy in the audience and i started speaking to the teenage boy and i said what's he like blah 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 you know is he just lay around the house and she said no no he's he's got hobbies he does fencing and I went off the stage um, um, pre-encore and I noticed backstage, tucked away in a corner, was a fencing mask. So I went oh. back on in it and, oh, God, if only life could always be like that. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it brought the house down. No real jokes required. Yeah. If, only, if only I could recreate that kind of forgiveness. <laughs> Nigel Holmes, by the way, Frank, is real alternative bookmarks. I'm one of those annoying turn-down-the-corner people. Oh, no. No? Nigel. Don't <laughs> do that. Then that paper never recovers. That leaves a scar. A and when I'm reading, I don't want to know where other people have stopped. Don't say <laughs> Nigel don't do that in front of Alan. No. Why? <laughs> Nigel Farage. That, oh. that, that's... <laughs> <laughs> we'll leave it there. <laughs> Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. There has been news, hasn't there, this week, apart from obviously terrible news. Well, I think the, we need to talk about the Rose Garden boys. 
I mean, I assume you boys were both gathered round the TV at 4pm on Bank Holiday Monday. You know what? I, the press I, conference. I, I did. I did watch it live. Um, How? Dominic Cummings. I, I listened to it on the radio and saw oh. clips of it later. <laughs> so I, the abdication. I, 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 like, I, I like the radio for news because I can potter about in the kitchen at the same time. Yeah. There was... Um, I, I'm in a list of things that seems to have sort of I've stopped everything for like that on the telly, and there aren't many. I mean, I'm not counting sport and stuff, but like news things. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember working um, at, at, at doing a TV thing, but we're in an office, like a production office with about 20 people, and everything stopped for the O.J. Simpson verdict. Oh, everyone gathered yes. around the. Yes. Incredible now, really. Can't think of another court case where that would have happened, but yeah. Anyway, um, yes, I. Uh, he was late. We say four p.m., but um, four thirty. Yeah, it was at four thirty in the end. And people have said that he um, he didn't give the press the apology that they wanted. But can I just make it clear that he did give them an apology because his first words were "Hello, sorry, I'm late, everyone." <laughs> so, How did he say uh, that? So he is no. a man capable of apologising. Yeah. Yeah. Did he say why he was late? <laughs> he didn't know. That's what I like, though, is that because of the the sort of weirdness and formality of it in real life, someone would come in and say, "I'm so sorry. I was doing the shopping at Tesco, and then mm-hmm. you know I got caught up." And I, was... there's no excuse offered. He should have done that. He should have given some excuse. He should have he come didn't. in and he said, didn't want "Look." It. You all know, you all suspect I'm an evil genius. The truth is I got really <laughs> lost in a very difficult Sudoku. And now here we are. <laughs> well, my theory, Al, was that he was, um, he was giving the tracksuit bottoms just a little airing in the tumble dryer. <laughs> just a 10-minute with a Febreze sheet. Did he lit. have tracksuit bottoms on? I, no, I so wanted him to have on. tracksuit bottoms, but he had the crumpled what? physics professor shirt. I was disappointed by the white linen shirt because I thought, you know, whenever you see him in the paper, Dominic Cummings, he's got a hoodie on and stuff. And I thought it'd look like one of those family conferences with the teenage boy who's um, done something a bit bad and everyone's gathered around to talk about it as a family and he'd be sitting there sulkily in a hooded top, not trying to join in. And I didn't want him to make an effort, but I thought the white linen shirt was a bit of a, oh, well, yeah, I'd better make an effort. It was... Of course, that could have been the half hour, him desperately trying to find a, a shirt. Yep. Well, I think it felt, it was very Headmaster's Day Off, wasn't it, that shirt? Um, the mm. concession <laughs> to being casual is rolling the sleeves up twice and maybe not ironing it. But fair enough, you know, he, he, at least he made the effort. What did you think of the table, most importantly? Because that's the thing that I'd like to talk about. Well, I was obviously profoundly envious because <laughs> we, we don't have a table at our house. Um, we, we had one and then um, Kath decided she didn't want it, so she sold it to somebody. And then we replaced <laughs> it with a, a thing that you paste wallpaper on. And then even that's gone. And we were supposed to have one delivered, but lockdown thought we don't want them to just bring a big coronavirus surface into the house. Uh-huh. So we haven't had a, a table for um, three months. 
And I, just any table now, I look at longingly. And ironically, the only table we own as a family was in the garden. And that ringing doorbell was a man coming to take it away. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It wasn't my idea. We've had to pay him to do it. I mean, I despair. <laughs> Why did he take the table, Frank? Oh, the man who just came to take the table. Um, we have a table in the garden, which I've always loved, which is a big, heavy, like a stone circle with a mosaic on the surface. And Kath has always said, Kath, my partner, that it's heavy and if it fell off, it could really hurt someone. Now, I don't mm -hmm. know how it could possibly fall off, that it's, you know, it's legs... But anyway, she's gone on and on about this so much um, that I've basically given up and paid someone to take it away. That What's, is the answer. The table phobia is interesting. I'll have to discuss this. No, with I her. want. I want a table. No, she a, a, has a table phobia. Yeah, Kathy's removing all tables from <laughs> from the house. I hope no listeners are playing a drinking game where they have to scull a <laughs> shot on the word table this week. Cause yes. I well, do I feel like we we basically. We eat out of those um, shoulder display things that people sell ice cream from at theatres. We have one of those each <laughs> with our don't. meal and, and everything in it, and we stand and eat from that. She, she bans it. Boz learns his time's blank. No mention of Table Mountain. Boz eats <laughs> his meals off a chair next to the sofa. <laughs> I mean, Lovely. I, don't, I don't understand... I think anyway. you can treat yourself to a table during lockdown. Yeah, but we don't want them to bring coronavirus into the mm. house. But yet you bought George Formby's prayer book. Yeah, but he won't <laughs> be on Great point, there. Al. Uh, he, he died Great in point. the early 60s. But somebody still has it to bring have it. A, it might have, have a bit else. of rickets. Yeah. <laughs> a bit of rickets on page seven. True. It might have death of a broken heart, if it goes back further. But you know what I was uh, going to say? I noticed oh, that the table... He didn't die of a broken heart. Oh, I know. But that was an old school thing to do, ailment, I would say. It um, was. Fatal ailment. He, um, he had the table, Frank, which was very face painting at a fate. Mm -hmm. And yes. yet he also had the, uh, the chairs. That's what bothered me. Have some consistency. The chairs were sort of Palace of Versailles level of ornateness oh, with a gold, gold edging and a, a sort of red velvet seating. Did you see that, Al? They never took the time to describe those on the radio version. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what you want is you want that bloke I was on about the other week as the royal correspondent <laughs> who would say in a hush voice, and the red velvet chairs removed from the gladiatorial chamber at number 10. All that stuff. Shut up with your gravity about trivial matters. <laughs> you old fool. That's what I wish would uh, interrupt. Um, I He wasn't mega mind enough for me. I like the idea of there being a genius, evil or otherwise, at the mm. centre of government. Yeah. And I wanted him to do the conference whilst beating 10 people at chess <laughs> simultaneously. <laughs> I wanted a real show of um, intelligence, you know, because he's, he's sort of Lex Luthor. Mm. Isn't he? 
I didn't want when, when they said he was half an hour like what I wanted was to be watching a normal TV show and then to be like a a fuzz of static and free of clear <laughs> looking straight into cap citizens of earth I really wanted that it was I mean the rose garden was was way too um sweet and lovely but it was um it was and the rose garden like to... it's very sort of country and western wasn't it I mean it's a strange name for the, the, you know, a press conference, which is that tense. It was a nice day for it, though. And, and of course, <laughs> they, have come, they have come out with, you know, it's safer outside than inside. Um, yeah. Fra- a catchphrase I've used for some 30 years. Uh, and so I suppose it, it tied into to that. I tell you what I did. Uh, I did enjoy about the the Dominic Cummings thing is um, obviously there's been a, a a tremendous amount of fuss that he supposedly drove uh, for half an hour to nearby beauty spot Barnard Castle to see if his eyesight was all right. Yes. Mm. Um, I mean, I wish he'd worn elaborate <laughs> steampunk <laughs> goggles for the press conference. <laughs> Like a real Mr. Magoo. He <laughs> <laughs> come in and walks into the table and stuff like that, really hammed it up. <laughs> well, I went to wherever. Yeah, and all that stuff. Um, but Boris Johnson, um, then I think, obviously to sort of back up the idea that COVID-19 can uh, affect your eyesight, um, appeared in public um, in spectacles. Mm. And said, "Yeah, said, yeah." He said, "He's right about the COVID nineteen." He said, and he said, "I quote: I'm having to wear spectacles for the first time in years." And I thought, "Well, what happened? Did his eyes get better?" (laughs) He was short-sighted, and then they got better. I mean, can that happen with eyes? Yeah, it's it's like does it ebb and flow? Short sight. That's a very good question. Did he produce the spectacles from his top pocket? I can't remember, BJ. Did he produce them or was he, did, he, did he wear them as he... No, as he... I thought he actually looked quite good in them. I thought they were... He's the spectacles kind of a guy, as it turns out. No, but out. Frank, he, did, he should have gone for some more Gregory Peck ones. He went for the, uh, the sort of IT solutions ones. And well, I... that's because his eyesight used to be uh, bad and then it went brilliant. So they're probably <laughs> from the 80s. <laughs> From when his eyesight was at that bad patch of um, They're the sort of, of glasses sight. that cricketers wear when they retire. I just don't like them. It's a shame. Yeah, I can see like, David Gower in them. Yeah. It's a shame they weren't really bright like Elton John kind of cocky <laughs> ones. But, yeah, that's what um, uh, Dominic Cummings could have worn like Dennis Taylor. Um, giant if I, ones. If I was them, I would start doing that. If we were the cabinet, we would start doing that. We'd do every appearance. Like I'd have some of those, you know, those twenty, those twenty, those New Year, Year Two Thousand glasses. I've had some of those with the O's either side. <laughs> That's what I do. Some I mean, Kanye's. Boris Johnson's funny, isn't he? He'd be kind of. He must be tempted to wear some of those eyeballs on springs for work. <laughs> oh, yeah. You see, I don't know if Dominic Com- Cummings is a, is a comedy guy. 
No. So uh, like you can't wear those you know, when you're announcing you know the fatalities. He's written the script. If he'd have been holding that like at <laughs> arm's length and bringing it in again, trying to read it, because he's high-sighted guy. But I don't think he's got that in him. He should have done a joke. He could have thrown a small one in there. He would have won us round instantly, <clears throat> wouldn't he? So, um, did how did you uh, how did you think it went for him? <laughs> the, well, uh, I, I, mean, I think actually it didn't go that well for the media at certain points because at one point somebody said about this trip to Castle Bernard. And I thought, no, it's Barnard Castle. I know you're in a London <laughs> bubble, but... And then somebody yeah, else said... Somebody said afterwards, I mean, he, he says that he drove to Durham. Can um, can you drive to Durham and back? Can you drive over 500 miles in one tank of fuel? And I thought, yeah, yeah, you can on on lots of cars. You can yeah, well, I think he drives a Discovery. I <laughs> imagine that's a, big, that's a big tank, isn't it? Wouldn't you have thought? This is exactly how I hope the whole press conference would descend just into a really long car chat. Also, there's probably a hotline where he could get a fuel tanker to pull up alongside him in the middle lane and they could fuel like like on um, the International Space Station. Yeah. They could have fueled him on the way rather than him stop off and, uh, and uh, corrupt to leave COVID yeah. on the... Uh, <laughs> on the oh, cover cool. of a, a hardcover book about Princess Diana at a um, <laughs> at a service station. <laughs> Frank Skinner. Frank Skinner. Absolute radio. So we were discussing the um, the Rose Garden um, conference um, mm. with um, with Dominic Cummings. Did anyone use the headline Cummings and Goings during any of this? I think oh. everyone did, didn't they? Did they? Okay. I don't really if he'd resigned, they definitely would have, wouldn't they? I think so. I wonder. I mean, the the one thing I was. I wonder what you thought of this. Do you think that when someone reads the truth out from a piece of paper, it slightly undermines them? Because I just feel, had he learnt it off by heart or committed it to memory, had he gone off book, I think it might have been. A, I think it might have done him some favours. Discuss. Well, he started off, didn't he, by saying, I haven't done telly for a very long time. <laughs> did he really did he say that? He did say that. Tell me about I, it, dear. Or was that me? Was that me who said that when I was watching it? <laughs> no, I think it was him. I'm pretty sure he said that. And I thought, I didn't know he used to do telly. Did you do telly? <laughs> what were you, a Harry Hill do? stunt double? <laughs> no, I he didn't does. know he did, d- did telly no. at all. I'd love to find he did something like... Uh, a kids show or something like that. He was in the broom cupboard. <laughs> <laughs> We'd all just forgotten he was on Celebrity Squares every week. Um, I tell you yes, something which has struck me about it, which um, there's a theory, we, and, and this is where obviously he becomes a, a bad guy if this kind of happens, is that mm. some people think that because people don't believe his story, basically, and they think that what will happen is that the public, you know that, the British public, as they're called, mm-hmm. um, that they will think, oh, well, if there's one rule for them and one rule for us, we won't, uh, we won't do lockdown anymore. And mm. there'll be um, a terrible second wave and thousands of extra deaths. That's the theory, I think. And the papers, certainly, uh, the Guardian and the Mirror, who um, got the story, certainly believe it. Now, 
I'm not saying it's true. I'm not saying his story is true or isn't true, or if that thing could happen. But I, if if you worked at a newspaper and someone said, "Look, if we print this story, it could lead to thousands of deaths of innocent mm. people," would you print the story? Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so I just wanted to sort that out. But Sorry, I suppose I thought like it was rhetorical. I thought you were asking. <laughs> I was asking. <laughs> what about you, Emily? Yes or no? <laughs> oh, I I would suggest that the the need to print the story is because it's kind of a historical crime or oversight or whatever you want to call it, isn't it? So because lockdown is easing anyway, the the main issue is that he did this while others made sacrifices. Well, I think you've got to wait probably till the virus you is think more I've or got less to wait? Gone. How dare you? Yeah, before you come out with that. <laughs> Um, a long wait, though. It's just, I mean, I just imagine someone sitting saying, well, we'll sell loads more papers. Yeah, mm. but what about all those? Oh, God, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. Let's sell the papers. I don't know if it's if it's true or not, but, um, you know, One if I knew I'm... a rumour that I was going to, if I had some gossip that I thought mm. would lead to be, people behaving in a reckless, dangerous way, I think I'd keep it to myself. Sounds like That's the gossip, kind of guy man. I am. Did you like it, guys, when he said, uh, the way he read out, I hated it when the reporters had to go up for their big moment to ask their question behind the mic. Oh, and God, I, that was... I found the way he... Well, Frank, the way he read out the names in a slightly wearisome way, I thought it was a bit like when a vice-chancellor has to give out a third-class degree. He went, Jason Groves. <laughs> oh, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that reminds me of when at Birmingham Polytechnic I got a degree from the head of the gas board. Oh, he, congratulations. Uh, I mean, he, he, he gave, I didn't get it from, he handed it to me. He didn't actually officially award it. That would have been, uh, that would have been ridiculous. Yeah, for my work in the, the Cala, the Cala um, section of the industry. You've done a lot of the boilers, Frank. Oh, I certainly have over the years. <laughs> but fair enough, they've done a lot for me. Frank Skinner. This is Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio with Emily Dean and Alan Cochran. Uh, you cannot text the show today because we're not live, I'm afraid. But you can uh, follow the show at Frank on the Radio on Twitter and on Instagram. Or you can email us via the Absolute Radio website. So um, we... Um, urge you to do that and then we'll read stuff out next week we promise um only uh, we were talking about uh, dominic cummings and all that before the break and Coming it reminded me mm. yeah there was a um i can't i caught a bit of loose women this week and oh. um, one one of the uh, women on there recommended that you um a sort of anti-blister thing that she used for her shoes. You know, this is sort of a... I, I mean, I don't know if this fits the bill with you, Emily, but there are, I, mm. I've been out with women who feel that... Congratulations. ...bleeding and blistered feet is just part of life. Yeah. it's a tax you have that. to pay. Mm. Um, and um, she was talking about... Uh, this blister thing. And one of the other women, um, her view was that you have to let shoes um, shape to your feet, I think was her theory. 
And mm. so you have to endure. Don't put anything in the way. Let them get used to your feet and then they'll be comfortable. Now, I don't know if I've ever said this to you before. I have a theory that if you have a pair of shoes that are uncomfortable, they remain uncomfortable forever. And nothing, the whole notion of breaking in, I think, is a complete myth of breaking oh. in shoes. Discuss. Can I say, you're absolutely right. However, I do have some fashion <laughs> stylist tips I picked up um, during my years in the fashion industry. And mm -hmm. it did work for me on one occasion when I was going to, uh, it was the Ross's Halloween party and I was dressed as Dorothy and I had some glittery red shoes which were half a size too small. I remember that outfit. Oh, fabulous. Uh, did you, you get know what I stretched? I took the fashion director's advice. No, I put a hairdryer on them. The heat, and then I, I prized them. I prized the back at, whilst the heat was being applied to it to soften them. And it worked. Thank you. The trouble is, didn't that slightly muffle the heel clicking that one has to do in Dorothy <laughs> shoes? You don't want to go, and so let's go. You don't want to, and you're off. Um, yeah. Yes, well, I, I mean, I, I think you're, it's a bit like Boris Johnson's eyesight. I think, you know, I don't believe that it, it goes away and, and, uh, and comes back like that. Mm. I, have you ever had any, a pair of shoes that you've broken in, Al, ever? Not that I can think of, now that you no, mention it's it. No, it's a complete, it's a thing that people selling, selling your stuff in shoe shops tells you, you know, that I'll wear them for a bit and they'll, like, if, you know when you get a biro that becomes intermittent, one of oh, my yeah. most frustrating things. Mm. So you have to keep scribbling on another page to get it writing again. Oh, they never recover in my experience. Once that's happened <laughs> once. Like a triage. It, yeah, they, ne <laughs> they, they don't come back those. They don't re regain their flow. Is it those true biros. that when that happens to you, you just throw it straight in the bin and return to your diamond encrusted peerless one two five pen? Oh, well, I the peerless Al. I have um, in recent years started throwing them straight in the bin as, as long as as soon as they do that, as soon as wow. they lose their flow. Do you I know think what would completely put me off? Someone life. gather round is if I saw a biro in their pen pot um, or otherwise displayed mm. where the plastic was broken. You know, the jagged edge of the biro. Oh, yeah. With no. the ink still sticking well, out. The tube. It. The tube sticking out slightly at the end. Oh, yeah. Sickening. What about <laughs> occasionally one... May, not, not since I live in uh, the sophisticated metropolis, but certainly when I lived back home in the West Midlands, I would see people who had just the refill they were oh. writing oh, yeah. with that. Yeah, I've done that. Yeah, that's, it's not easy, that. You need a vice-like <laughs> grip. That's why I do a lot of strength training. But it's quite handy if you're, um, if you're writing in conditions where something is moving across the paper <laughs> on a regular... Say if you're just going under the door of a toilet cubicle. Yeah. Uh, the pen will catch on the top and it won't, it won't really uh, have any... I don't know if you ever write when you're uh, going not, into a toilet cubicle without opening the door, but I do it a lot. I think it's good to have notes in case... There's some sort it's when of, I do uh, my Chris Moyle's toilet action. book, I do, yes. <laughs> yeah, I think that's perfectly reasonable. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. There was something I wanted to ask you, actually, uh, Emily, although I'm very happy if, if Al's got any thoughts. But one thing that we heard a lot 
um, this week was the term beauty spot. Um, (laughs) Mainly aimed at um, Barnard Castle. Mm -hmm. But um, there used to be a thing in my childhood where Mm. women would um, put beauty spots on their face um, with some sort of makeup pen. And I think the theory was that beautiful, well, women, I think, I don't think it applied to men, mm, beautiful mm. women had a God-given spot mm. around their chin, which was a signif- it's sort of it's like a hallmark instead mm. of with gold, with beauty. And so women who thought they were not quite there, but, you know, in the one, two, three, as it were, um, okay. they would add one to yes. suggest that, that, that God had given them the beauty approval. You'd had the kiss from this? God. Are you, are you aware of this phenomenon? Well, I, I associate it very much with, I suppose, the sort of um, French aristocracy pre-revolution. Yeah. You know, sort of Madame Pompadour, that sort of era. Le liaison's dangereux. Yes. And also quite sort of uh, Congreve, would you say? Absolute radio. Marilyn Monroe have one? (laughs) Marilyn Monroe had one. Uh, I believe Sophia Loren had one. Madonna had one. I don't know whether hers was genuine. And my uh, godmother, um, who you're familiar with, Lindsay DePaul. Oh, yes. She had a good one. She had a good one. Um, hers was a chicken pox scar. That was she told a personal me. microphone. It was what, sorry? A chicken pox scar. She told me it was a chicken oh. pox scar. She painted it with uh, oh. eyeliner. Oh. Mm. You see, I never, I, like I never want to go behind the scenes in showbiz like that. Oh, That's like Darren that, Brown telling me how he does it. <laughs> <laughs> but is there any? Obviously, it can't be true. But I think, it, honestly, think it was believe that if you had one of those spots naturally yes that that meant that you'd you'd pass the the that you'd been stamped by the beauty um examiner yes, like Cindy when you Crawford. Left the production line yes mm. well the other example of that i've heard is the longer um second toe on women are you familiar with that Rumour? The second toe. Oh, yeah. Oh, right. That's a sign that's of a beauty, uh, sign. beauty, apparently. So check check your women's toes out. Yeah, my view is basically I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> it's, uh, I think, my own approach. I don't want to be dictated to even by some sort of heavenly messenger. Who's, uh, <laughs> there must be some uh, rancid people who have them as well, surely. Yeah. I could what, be the wrong. beauty mark? Yeah. Anyway, if you know anyone... Uh, sent <laughs> Any over. rancid people with beauty marks. <laughs> <laughs> Text in. I, I, do people still... I've got an idea it might be a burlesque affectation that um, those sort of... You know those sort of women who have tattoos of um, dice and skulls and... Yeah. Um, yeah, I think they might they might do it. Well, the very large, traditionally, I think, in the olden days, um, as I like to refer to any historical period, mm. they were made of fabric, silk, and they were stuck on the Shut face. Shut up. Really? I believe so. Well, <laughs> that, and what you've done now is you've stopped, you've stopped the whole flow of that. I mean, that is such a shocker. <laughs> if we were walking, you and I, in that conversation, I would have stopped there and looked at you. <laughs> You would have walked on a little bit, realised I'd stop and I'd still be staring in amazement. That's where we are. I think. Frank Skinner. 
Absolute Radio. Anyway, I'm uh, flicking the switch that um, turns me from a transmitter into a receiver and asking uh, you guys what's been coming in from the outside world. Well, last week we were talking um, and you brought up pottery heads, kind of ceramic faces. Oh, yeah, highly detailed pottery heads, which were on many, many working class walls in the uh, late 60s and the 1970s. I've got Laurel and Hardy. But often it was a sort of a generic, like a, a pirate and nasty looking. I don't think I quite pirate. know what you mean. I know, well, is is it? Go on, Al. Three six nine has texted. Morning, Frank. The pottery heads you refer to are made by Bossons, B O S S O N S, and are very collectible. They should oh. be marked with the <laughs> Bossons stamp in the back. I'll give you a couple of quid each, says John, in London. Um, and I thought maybe it would be good for you to know that they were collectible, Frank, and you should check the back I like of that they're collectible and... Um, collectible. He'll give me a couple of uh, quid each for them. <laughs> a couple of quid each? Isn't that from Harry Potter? Yeah. Um, I um, I couldn't part with them because they were, they were bought for me by my dear old mum. And not only oh. were they bought, but I have got a club card. Get this where she bought them um, from a shop for 25 pence a week until she'd paid the £1.50, which is so, wow. so tragic in many ways, but also quite marvellous. So, um, so I couldn't, I find, but I I will, I'm going to check for the Bostons. Can I actually say that? I find that um, not... I, I know what you mean by that, because I presume what you're... Th- thinking is i would love to have been able to just buy that for her outright Mm. however the delayed gratification i would say is a very valuable quality she obviously had which um you've inherited and it's uh, stood you in good stead thank you very much for your time this week oh Um, i enjoyed that moment (laughs) on the the subject of they're not quite gargoyle i've seen them they're very detailed some of them are like cowboys some some pirates that sort of thing they're they're really interested looking, but I think possibly the highlight of lockdown for me was when I was having a conversation with my wife, and I mentioned the French provocative novelist Michel Houellebecq, spelled Houellebecq, mm. and and she said, mm. "Oh, what does he look like?" <laughs> and I Google image searched him, and let me say this: he is a man who makes no attempt to please the camera. <laughs> and I showed her some of the photos of Michel Houellebecq in public, and I laughed my head off because <laughs> he 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 turns up to things with his hair as straggly as it is, and like a crazy holding of a cigarette in a weird way, and it was so much fun. So that's um, worth I'm a compliment to you, I'll tell you what I like is that you're looking at pictures of Michel Houellebecq, whereas uh, Frank is watching Bugs Bunny and Loose Women. Thank you. Yeah. And and you're talking to your partner about provocative French novelists, whereas I'm saying, no, not another table. (laughs) I'm going to have to start playing drafts on the floor. (laughs) That's where we are now. Not a table in the house. There must be an old poem that starts like that. Um, well, what I might do is take a photo of my Laurel and Hardy head so that people get an idea of how these things 
work. They are fab. They're real fabulous craftsmanship, mm. and I think of them in the same um, era. I mean, the people always go on about the blue lady and that in working class homes, but for me, there used to be a large brandy glass with mm. a mouse kneeling inside it and praying for help, oh, and you used to that. hook hook a sort of pottery cat on the lip of it trying to get in and that that was a big thing and also there was a big um a uh, alsatian rampant um which just means standing upright before you uh start phoning in and uh, that was also a very popular uh, working class ornament any more popular working class ornaments please let us know <laughs> <laughs> this is frank skinner this is Absolute Radio. What else is uh, what else is pouring in through our um, ear trumpet? <laughs> Helen from Berkhamsted has uh, sent us in some interesting information about her experience with a temper mattress. Do you remember you were just asking about them recently, Frank? Oh, this is this the memory foam? Yes. And I asked whether when you'd laid in it one night your shape was forever imprinted in it. A bit like Harrison Ford in that yeah. um, big piece of uh, metal thing in Star Wars. And then what if you'd lost weight and then you met a partner after that? And they'd say, what's this in there? This big hole? You'd say, oh, I don't know. <laughs> um, the worst I... thing would be if you gained weight, though, wouldn't it? You'd have oh, to lie yeah. on top of your own <laughs> template. Yeah. Oh, I just wouldn't like the the telltale cheddar gorge, you know, in the in the mattress. Hi, Frank, Emily, and also Alan. when I was a drinking when I was a drinking man, and I I'll be honest with you, I used to occasionally in the very very dark times would occasionally um, wet the bed. I wouldn't want to wake oh, up and see God a half sake. filled my own indentation. <laughs> <laughs> half. I mean, that'd be that'd be desperate. horrible wishing. Well, <laughs> <laughs> wish I was anywhere but here. Um, hi, Frank, Emily, and Alan. Oh, sorry, I feel sick. The wish, Frank's I'd wishing it, well in the bed. I'd call it like me. <laughs> 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 sorry, sorry, everyone at home. Who's, I know a lot of you have got hangovers, as it yeah, is. Enjoy I thought you were going to say, to I know a lot of you have soiled your bed sheets last I know, night. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't uh... Uh, hi, Frank, Emily, and Alan. Frank asked about temper mattresses recently. I would love to enlighten you. We bought a temper mattress as, after years of rugby in his youth, my broad shouldered husband considered, oh, a bit boastful, mm. um, it would be Isn't the it? best thing for his back ailments. Listen up, Frank, you've got that. Yeah, so he's got broad shoulders, but. Yeah, he watches Bugs Bunny and Loose Women. Uh, um, he loves it. I am slight in comparison and find that getting onto a temper mattress is like going to bed on a table. No spring, no bounce. The longer you lie on it, the more of an imprint you make so that you feel you are lying in a shallow ditch. As this oh. happens, the table-like consistency, apologies, Kath, for talking about tables, yeah, becomes again. more like dough. So that if you try to turn over, you feel your limbs disappearing into quicksand. Contrary to the wow, tone of this email, wee. there is some comfort to be found, however. The real fly in the ointment for me is how the doughy quicksand warms with your body heat. Can I, As say, a result, that, can I say that fly in the ointment <laughs> is an incredibly <laughs> apposite phrase here? Because that's basically what you become by the sound yeah. of it. 
<laughs> as a result, I always have to sleep with at least one limb free from the duvet, whatever the weather, as otherwise the mattress feels like a furnace. Ode for my old box-sprung mattress. That's Helen in Birkenstead. Yeah, also, who's, I think it's, who's it's, it's good. sent that email as Stephen King, I think. Yes. Uh, is it... Um, do you... Uh, is it like... You know when people are getting quicksand in films and they yeah. have to lie absolutely still or they're swallowed <laughs> up by you? Do you think it works like that? Because I hadn't thought about rolling over, but of course once it's got your form yeah. um, rolling over. I don't wonder if Anthony Gormley has got one mm. and woke up one morning and thought, if I fill that with metal, get another one. Maybe can... we should explain quicksand to anyone born um, after 1970. I think it's still. Uh, I, I thought it was a genuine phenomenon. Is it not? Is it? Well, if it anyone is. would like, if anyone wants to let us know, <laughs> please do. Frank Skinner on Absolute Radio. So um, once again, I know I go on about this, but uh, I <laughs> really appreciate that you guys are still contacting us, even though we we're not able to do the show live at the moment. And please keep the stuff coming in because it is it is a rich vein. Mm. Well, we've had. Do you remember we were discussing Bob Ross? Because oh you yeah, and, Bob Ross, the joy of painting. Yes, and both Alan and I uh, have watched Bob Ross subsequently, haven't we, Al? Yeah, my family are big fans of it. Do you think okay. a lot of Bob Ross's mail went accidentally to Bross? <laughs> 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 Terrible <Pretty> mix-up. <laughs> anyway, we've had. In case uh, you haven't, for, for anyone who, who hasn't heard the show for a bit, Bob Ross is uh, is uh, he's no longer with us, but he was it was, it was a, a long-running, and I mean long-running American TV series, which is currently mm. now being shown both on BBC Four and on Vice TV, and it's a man who does the same painting every week. Mm. And some okay. we have some explanation for the sort of Bob Ross revival page barry says bob ross is a hipster icon in portland oregon i have a bob ross bobblehead doll that i picked up there it has wow. a button you push for his famous quotes hashtag bob ross great hashtag work and rick has said it doesn't explain sorry to interrupt go but on. i'd like to know what his famous quotes are so would i al i think he, he quite often says there's no mistakes <laughs> only happy accidents <laughs> frank skinner in the bed yeah, <laughs> he says that that thing now. We've got a decision to make now, and it's where you put the first mountain ridge. Right. But seeing as it's the same place every painting, mm. it's 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 a similar to this decision to waking up in the morning. But anyway, I don't think I don't think we have used the moment that I mentioned last week, where he just lost his cheery demeanour and said, "I'm okay." And then carried on. <laughs> well, ironically, that's exactly what I would want from the push-button Bob yeah, Ross oh, quote. God, yeah. Rick Webb has got in touch, though, hasn't he, Al? And, um, I mean, I'm not saying he's giving us a dressing down, but you be mm. the judge. You kind of miss the point of Bob Ross. Oh, well, I hope so. His raison d'etre was to inspire people to have a go. You too can do this. Yes, sometimes it was repetitive, but he taught techniques, inspired me to pick up a paintbrush during lockdown. Discuss. Well, that's brilliant. And um, he could, uh, there's no um, question that he could do um, 
one painting really, really well <laughs> and uh, continued to do it. It's just that if I had a show where I did the same chunk of stand-up every week, yeah. eventually um, I, I hope that people would, would be getting in touch with radio stations and think, saying, I think you're missing the point of Frank Skinner. <laughs> He's making a point about, you know, the three R's, repetition, 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 and yeah. uh, the endless monotony of modern life. And uh, yeah. I would, I, I would, I would feel that. But I'd, they, who would commission it? That's the question. They would say his raison d'être was to inspire people to be a bit of a git. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm, I'm glad people, people obviously enjoying it because they're showing it. And uh, mm. I, I, I like, you know, there was a famous episode, um, famous series of Big Brother where nothing happened. It was really like regarded as one of the failed Big Brothers, and I loved it. It was like a Warhol film. It just <laughs> was people sitting in a kitchen having mundane conversations, and there was something exciting about it. Anyway, we'll end on that. Um, I think people sitting out in mundane conversations is probably an apposite. Uh, I think I've used the word apposite four times today. I'm going a bit Bob Ross in my repetition. Thank you for listening to us. If the good Lord spares us and the creeks don't rise, we'll be back again this time next week. Now, um, go out but stay outside and go into other people's gardens as long as there's only one other household and no more than six people. That's my advice. This is Frank Skinner. Absolute Radio.